What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to part two of Adam Russell, Agni Hotra, and Land Regeneration, episode 21. The part one episode was incredible. We learned about Agni Hotra, we learned about the chants they use, and we learned just a little bit about the ancient technology that Symbiosis Texas and Adam are bringing back into the fold here in the modern days. Now on this part two episode, we really dive in deep into pyramid technology, sacred geometry, vortex mathematics, and how Adam is using Agni Hotra to essentially bring back life to land that maybe was dead or on the verge of death using earthworks, pyramid structures, and many, many other things. This one just absolutely blew my mind and Bub and Stoner afterwards. I think we sat here and talked for another hour after that episode ended. We talked to Adam for another 30 minutes after the episode ended. And so we got some great comments from, from that episode. And we really appreciate the heck out of all you guys. Again, please go check out the links in the description. Follow Adam and everything Symbiosis Texas is doing. Uh, of course, we're The Strange Road. And you can find us on all uh, social media platforms, all podcast platforms. Check out our YouTube page. Hit subscribe and that notification bell if you want to keep up to date with all our live streams. Again, thank you guys so much. Take care. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Pat, Pat Flanagan, um, mm -hmm. who wrote the book Spirit Power. Great books. He, unfortunately, he passed away just a few years ago. But, you know, a real savant, brilliant individual who started, you know, he worked with the, the government and the Pentagon when he was like 13. Oh, like unbelievable. Wow. Okay. Genius. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to and, look into this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Patrick Flanagan and his Pyramid Power books. I think there are three or four different books. Okay. And the great thing about them is they're just wonderful, simple experiments. Like, hey, build a pyramid out of wood or cardboard or copper and sit under it. Put a banana in the pyramid and the banana in the pyramid won't go bad and right. the banana outside the pyramid will go bad. You know, all kinds of little things that you can just experiment with and notice yourself. And no one's, you know, forcing information down your throat. You're just like, huh that banana tasted different than that old, you know, brown banana. Yeah. And it was just sitting there. Um, but great resource. But he said that that particular mantra that you mentioned, the Om Shavaya, was kind of one of the most powerful ones that he would kind of default to. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, yeah. That guy was a wizard. I mean, the pyramid technology is just, we're just now rediscovering it. Like yeah, really, it's, like, it's, it's becoming like it the Russians dormant for a while. The Russians are doing, um, have all have these huge amazing experiments with these uh, glass. Sometimes they're made of metal, um, but mm. they're out in these meadows and they're he, you know, curing cancer. And there's, I mean, it's not getting a lot of mainstream well attention at all. Yeah. But um, do you know anything about the the Russian pyramids and kind of? how that might relate to Agni Hotra in a sense. Um, the, the proportions of the Russian pyramid is what my wife and I got married in. What? Uh, um, yeah, it That's was great. Cool. 
Um, and we still have that. That's what our flow form, uh, fertilizer mixing unit is inside of now. Um, so, you know, now, and, and that's kind of what I've been playing with is any of these coherence creating technologies, let's just stack them all together. Um, cause nature, nature doesn't say, you know, I created one tree. We're done here. Yeah, it's right. like, no, let's layer this. Let's get a multi-layered forest. And then it, each time it just keeps working better because it's always mo- moving towards higher levels of complexity, mm-hmm. higher levels of awareness and higher levels of consciousness is like how okay. evolution works. That's the path, the strange road that evolution travels. There you go. Is those three things. Um, and so, you know, now we have the, the Nubian or the Russian scale pyramid with the flow forms inside of it with the Agnihotra ash moving through the flow forms and then we're putting that on plants and they just explode Whoa. and they're resilient that's and they're awesome. amazing. That's awesome. You use the ash in the soil. So that's really the useful part wow. of Agnihotra. That makes sense. Is that the ash, you sieve out the burnt rice just in a sifter and you keep the burnt cow manure because that's so broken down. Oh, the yeah. rice isn't as broken down. So you're really kind of getting this like nanoparticle ash that holds and has basically been programmed with the energy that was emitted during that fire. And Mm. so, you know, there was an experiment I've been looking for it and asking Dr. Burke if he can locate it again, where they took the, the irradiated rice from the Fukushima, um, spill, you know, Geiger counter confirmed this rice is radioactive and mixed that rice with water and, and ash and 72 hours later, there's zero radiation in that rice. Mm. And so, you know, here's this incredibly simple thing, quiet, you know, appropriate timing, combining sound, light, fire, earth. And it has the ability to potentially neutralize radiation, which comes from, you know, our most complex science, atomic physics that right. humanity has conjured to this point yeah. and is neutralized by this unbelievably ancient and simple practice, which I find to be amazing. Sometimes um, we got to look at to not reinvent the wheel so much, right? Yeah. Use what yeah. we've got already. And, and why do we need to look past some of these things and poo poo them? And oh, right. that, you know, that, that has no foundation. And it's like, have you tried it? And I mean, you can, well, you can many... test it scientifically, right? So you can do the scientific method on it too. So it's a repeatable yeah. um, result. I mean, how many ancient sites appear to be nuked? Literally. Oh, that too. Yeah. The vitrification. Obliter- obliterated. And, right. You know, uh, that goes to the whole how many times have we climbed the stories this ladder of Krishna? To, Mm-hmm. And having you know these uh, technological weapons and yeah, and which appears to be you know nuclear. If the, the first thing you're going to hit is something that you know reduces the radiation. Mm-hmm. Take out the temples. Take out the pyramids. Yeah, you always wondered like why do some of these places like Gurung Padang? Why does it look like it was just literally Decimated. a bomb was dropped on top of it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, and that seems like a multi-level pyramid that's got a lot of – there's diorite. There's all these different kind of stones embedded into it, you know, mm-hmm. some giant power plant. We'll keep finding them too because it's, it's one special away from going, I've never heard of that place. You know what I mean? Like it, it'll keep yeah. happening and it'll yeah. keep happening and at some point we'll we'll have to go – 
okay, our history books are way off. Right. Uh, Adam, did you want to go through a couple of these photos? I hope I have them in the right order. If not, just let me know. But uh, we have a uh, just the images that you sent, and then there are uh, a few more videos that I actually want to show everybody. Cool. Uh, that Adam had sent over. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of a so beginning. I, yeah. So when when I first started, I was coming from this medical mindset of just stop the bleeding. So we're on a a hilltop. Uh, that was just overgrazed, pure stone. Okay. And so we brought in bulldozers for about a month and a half and built uh, water harvesting structures, berms and swales, ponds to just basically tourniquet that landscape and slow and okay. sink the water. So you can go to the next one. Copy that. And oh, wow. And then, you know, look at that. What? Look at that. You know, that's four months later. Um, and this was at the end of a a five-year drought, you know, while I think one of the amazing things about this is when you have people questioning what you're doing, it typically means you're on the right path, at least in my experience. You Um, you hear an anecdote to that was the guy, Kevin, absolutely in the medicine wheel cards when I was like, I feel like this and this and this in life. And he's like, that's, he's like, don't listen to those people. He's like, you're ahead of them. They're chasing you. That's why they're telling you not to do what you're doing right now because yeah, they don't understand it. They don't get it. Like, he did say I would that. say the exact same thing to you. Like, yeah, people are like, I don't get it. You, you get attacked. You when will, you're on to something, you whether or not year. it's history you or science. You get it in science. two years. Yeah. And then 15 years later, it's like, oh, my gosh, he was so ahead of the curve. Well, he was – they almost ruined this guy's career for 20 years. Right. But those people that are ahead of the curve, everybody wants to pull them back because they make them feel academics uncomfortable. Academics or – You make people feel uncomfortable because they're like – like, I didn't know that, or I didn't. You criticize. That's fine, but you know, you got to attack it peacefully and kindly to not disenfranchise yeah. and alienate um, people away from what you're trying to do. And you know, when they um, start discrediting yeah, just educate. you, you're on to, you're on to something. Well, 100%. And I think the really fun piece about the earthworks piece and a lot of the methods, you know, Agnihotra and pyramids is obviously from an ancient past. Yeah, right. But everything else is once. Once people finally start having the conversation, almost all the time they say, you know what? That's what my grandfather used to do. You know, during the <laughs> Dust Bowl, we built these berms and swales and, and shelter belts, planting trees along berms mm-hmm. and swales to hold the dust. Right. And then 40 years later, you know, you couldn't insure with crop insurance a shelter belt. And it didn't work as well to drive a big tractor over a berm and swale. So we ripped them back out and you know, went back in time right? Um, from all the solutions that our grandparents implemented after the right. festival. Right. Right. We can do it better. And people it's used to use. Fine. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Dowsing yeah, yeah. rods. Right. People yeah. consider Again, dowsing like, rods oh, yeah. this like witchery. I'm like, right. no, no. Dowsing right. rods has exactly been used. My grandfather used dowsing rods. Right. If anything, He's not a kook. If anything, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's I think, a, a, a Japanese-type thing of they don't reinvent something, but they're always taking what they invented and trying to elevate that to its highest level. And I think that would be Agni Hotra in a certain yeah. sense, right? Like but Agni Hotra lasted forever and is still here. Why? Because it works and people continue to yeah. use it. Uh, and it, it some technologies just go away. Agni Hotra somehow after... I don't know how many untold thousands of years is these still practices kicking. are still here. Right. And not only that, yep. but still a guy Fruits from Texas is doing it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And people in America and people Adam know all over, all over, I'm sure you've met people all over the world. It's spreading. 
Uh, yeah, my friend Gal's working on a documentary to kind of share all the different types of people from from Hasidic Jews to nuns. Hmm. You know, every religion that exists are using Agnihotra as a tool. Yeah, you don't have to be part of any religion. It's just yeah. a tool to be done in a certain way at a certain time, and it creates the same effect. And so wow. I think that's the beauty of it is just snatch up the beneficial, you know, fill your toolbox with those beneficial little nuggets right. and then use them where and when appropriate. Yeah. And Agnihotra is absolutely, you know, for, for two 10 minute fires that are just lovely to sit there and watch. Sure. I love them. We love atmosphere. Bob, this could be your thing, bud. Right. Cause you're obsessed with, I fire. could be the Agnihotra guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a lot of theories on fire and why I have such oh, a draw yeah. to. I know pyromania is one thing, right? But I don't like to just set fires mm. anymore. No, you don't. But a, but a campfire and trying to leave a campfire and go to sleep is probably one of the hardest things to do. And I don't know oh, if it's we can because, never get away from that fire. You know, from the sun it's, to when we harnessed fire and the telling stories, the, connection. the connection of it to food. Well, not only mm-hmm. that, food, but yeah. food and yeah. survival and the deep rooted need for it to be where we are like there's something that just time travels yeah i could (laughs) it's the best tv show ever there's so many things you can see once the coals start to get to a certain level sometimes even with get that coal bed stirred up with certain woods though even too or you know uh you know you get some of the blue flame or you get a little bit of the green if there's some uh copper deposit somewhere even within the trees i think like if they soak that up into the wood because I'm not throwing one of those color changing packets, although I have before, Yeah. but, um, you know, you'll kind of see that. Um, yeah, but there's just something so captivating about it. And it, it, once it starts, it feels like it has, I would say in the Agnihotra sense, fire seems like a living, breathing thing. You have to feed it just like we feed it. It needs oxygen, just like we need oxygen to keep burning yep. and having that fuel. So there's, there's a lot of like, yeah, uh, synonym, uh, in that tending a fire is an art. I love it. it I mean, yeah. it, it was the highest honor of a, of a sweat lodge. Yes. Oh baby. That's, that's my retirement that's your, dream job. That's then. you. Yeah. My dad <laughs> wanted to mow ditches. Well, I'll tell you what, Adam, Bub started a fire in the middle of winter on the cabin trip in a, in a, like a drizzle outside of serpent mound in Southern Ohio with it just everything wet in the in the pit there was probably this much coal we and were ash fighting an uphill and battle and the whole thing was filled and we didn't realize that until it was kind of too late yeah and you spent every bit of three or four hours and got that fire going. I'm like, I can't believe we oh, have a I fire. Was, I was fire bending. <laughs> I mean, I had it like a high rise structure built up. Oh that yeah. I would time like this log's going to break then. And that log's good. Like it, it, it's like this Jenga kerplunk strategizing mm-hmm. of timing and density and dryness and pulling all that ash out. Eventually we my just highest goal is heat and light. Right. Unless you're trying to cook them. Right. And then if I'm trying to reduce down to those coals just for cooking and low temperature and even. um, But, you know, yeah, I've been to fires before. I feel like my mother where I'm like, I have to take over. No, we take over. It's bad. My wife's like, why do you always just take over the fire? I'm like, because nobody else is going to do it. You want the fire to go. I got a stick. Yeah. Mine's like, can you sit down? I'm like, I'll try. (laughs) But I'm probably going to get up and poke that fire here in a minute because I just, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Adam, do you see this photo, uh, the next photo that I have? Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a, a perfect example of, of basically the simplest living machine that we can right. conjure. This was a, a high school project where the high schooler said, hey, we need to do something about that courtyard because every time it rains, water sits and then we get mosquitoes and then we can't hang out in the courtyard for two weeks. And so this is just a swale, which is the ditch on the uphill side and a berm on the downhill side, layered in with paramagnetic magnetic rock dust or basalt, you know, that's one of the simplest, quickest things you can do to help your land is find your local basalt or trap rock mine and just bring in a dump truck load of, Mm. you know, 24 tons of basalt fines or dust, and then just dust it on everything. And so, you know, there was green sand and basalt in here and compost. And then, you know, what we know about ecology is everything's layered and we have mm-hmm. a layered succession plan. So these tiny plants that are planted, you know, it's, it's basically a food forest. So right. figs and guavas and pomegranates and uh, peaches and pears. Um, and then it's overseeded with um, sweet potatoes, corn, beans, and squash, the three sisters. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to the next picture, you know, this next picture is, that's four months later. What? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That oh, picture is that's, that's one. That picture is one year later. Okay. That's so still pretty fantastic growth. Yeah. So we harvested the corns, beans, and squash. Yeah. Mulched all of the other living trees um, with that biomass. Yeah. And then a year later, you got this massive forest. Wow. Like it, grow, oh, it grows. It grows too far. Right there. You should. Um, so and so now that food forest. In this high school in downtown Austin, has brought them over fifteen thousand dollars of grants because now they have an area that's a pollinator habitat, food production, perennial polycultural food forest. Um, it checks every box of every grant that they can possibly write, so and it's crazy. just right and an amazing learning space. Question: right. Because this exactly. thought has crossed my mind so many times. Um, you're, you're, I'm in, I'm in San Francisco. I'm in whatever city I'm in, in Nowheresville. In this tiniest plot of land. Look how big that. What I'm saying is you have all of this beautification and, and, and plant life brought in foliage, but nothing that produces anything we can use or eat or derive any value from. It's very aesthetically pleasing, but why don't we have apple trees, peach trees, orange, where you can grow? Why don't we have some of this that's naturally occurring you get food. Well, that gentleman well, out of I L.A. Understand uh, it. I it's, I his get name it. Is gonna... I get it because it doesn't make any money, and that's the whole thing about it. That's right, like, and, it, and it makes God. a mess on the sidewalk. Yeah, but use that. You know, ha- have a crew that comes around just like they prune the the trees and collect. Yeah, there well, you go. The city can I mean, make itself money. Look at by all the abandoned lots in the you city. Could have a, uh, an apple if you want one. All the abandoned lots. We have local matters here in Columbus. They do. They have a community garden. Yeah, they teach people how to mm-hmm. garden. They there needs to be a ratio in, of concrete to, to green for sure. Well, our city is turning into a parking lot. I, oh yeah. By my house, we had an amazing, concrete beautiful jungle. yard. Next to uh, our old house. Oh, I remember. And this huge uh, church bought this building and turned it uh, this home and this building into a church. Well, they had to have a certain amount of parking lot. The city made them build this gigantic parking lot. We ended up moving. It was so depressing that this parking lot moved in. And this this lot could have been a giant community garden. I mean, it's right. 10 times bigger than what that, what Adam just showed us. Right. And imagine oh, yeah. inner cities where 
there's all these abandoned lots. Like I'm that in gentleman in L.A., yeah. there's no grocery stores. Yeah, I'm in a food desert. The gentleman yeah. in L.A. that does that work where he yeah. creates community gardens in, in the Watts and neighborhoods in the inner city in, in Los Angeles and um, teaches kids how to grow. And they just take these abandoned lots and they just take them over. And well, they regenerate see, the soil. You'll see enough people get there then, hopefully. I mean, I know it happens in Cincinnati. It's probably up in Cleveland. I'm sure they're, you know, But down all over, here, but I mean, you, there's so many spots that you could just turn. It'd be cool. You know, you Something do start like popping up community greenhouse spaces that are shared greenhouses for year-round, you know, cultivation. Yeah, because the land is Membership dead Membership co-op, everywhere. you come in or you pay somebody to take care of your plot. You know, it's a farmer's co-op greenhouse. Right. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely the bottleneck is just nurseries of yeah. of locally adapted plants. Sure. You know, if someone is saying, yeah, oh, man, I have some money and I want to help this movement, that's yeah. the biggest bottleneck is there's so many people that can dig a ditch and build a hump and plant. But then the question is, you know, where do I get these plants from? And mm-hmm. are they going to break my budget just getting, right. you know, a bunch of $100 fruit trees? Mm-hmm. Um and am I going to get fruit trees that are coming from a completely different state and that aren't adapted right. for my local climate? That's one thing that symbiosis has done really well is over trial and error over the last seven years, find out which exact varieties of sure. fruit trees, nut trees work well in this central Texas right. climate. Mm-hmm. And so we, we pretty much have like a 33 variety tree food species that mm. are kind of our go-to shotgun approach of if someone wants a food forest, they get 33 trees and that's one of every variety. Mm-hmm. And if they want more, right. then we kind of double and triple those varieties. I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. that's a really interesting concept. Like, you know, I, just thinking about uh, having more land or space or moving or getting a, a different area. And, you know, if you had enough space, you're like, hey, I want you to come in and set up my food garden for me. You know, what trees do I need planted? What What kind of gardening do I need to do and set that up? Because... I mean, growing up when I was a kid, we had a little cornfield in our backyard. My parents did. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, my neighbors would grow peas and, and carrots and stuff, and we'd go down and help pick those and snap those and shuck them and everything. Dude, you know. in Ohio, everything, well, it used to. I mean, you know how many awesome fruit trees grow in Ohio and yeah. do really well? Pears, Ohio's plums, great cherries. I mean, we had we apple orchards. We the back home. The apples all of Ohio. are incredible yeah. in Ohio. Yeah. Um, cherries, like my grandma used to grow, they had a plum trees. Yeah. They would can sugar plums. Delicious. And, and you know, <laughs> cher- the cherry delicious. trees were ridiculous. Yeah. And they always had bees and they always had hummingbirds. Always. Mm-hmm. Always they had always pollinators. Had there you insects. go to that too. You had pollinators for it. You know, we ship them yep. across the country now on, on semi trucks, right? To go out and pollinate uh, almond fields and what have you. It's Just crazy. Ship millions and millions Monocropic and millions of bees. Giant. Things. And a lot of them die in transit. And yeah. Yeah, when you what was the documentary? When we stop seeing bees, we're really screwed type deal, right? Like that's one of those indicator yeah. species of like you don't see those, we're in trouble. And bats. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, yeah the pollinators for sure. Um, especially along that line. That's too wild. But I think I mean I wanted to show that from just the simplicity of I think that was a yeah, a six long by twenty foot wide area. And they're just cranking out a revenue producing ecosystem that just happens to 
crap out food for free every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's that's like, well, think of the concept of selling water, you know, ice, frozen water. Like, how can you make that same concept out of generating food? You know, there. Yeah. You would think there would have to be a limit at a certain point. I mean, apple orchards, other than having the trees and getting the apples. You can make cider, just sell the apple. You know, you can do what you want with after that, but like taking mm-hmm. care of a tree, you know, trimming and pruning it. But like, you know, monocropping could be one of the ends of our civilization. Like that's how serious. Well, monocropping, monocropping yeah, yeah. palm oil. And, our yeah. soils are dead. Well, there's Unbelievably a great, there's a great dead. image of like prairie grass that grows down like six or seven feet. I don't even know the roots, right? And we're back to the dust bowl of yeah, how did that happen and terraforming, cultivating, how it destroyed that root system in these more arid climates that, you know, the the smaller foliage is really doing a big, big job that we don't think of. And just seeing that cutaway slice and going, oh, my God, look at the structure of all that. Look at the, you know, engineering behind what it's doing and why uh, what happened with the Dust Bowl because of just, you know, growing the same crops, not rotating your fields of beans and corn and um, whatever else they were growing at the time, you know, it's, it, but we shouldn't repeat those mistakes too. Like and, you're saying, like, and you hey, guys are homeostasis is the end goal. It's everything working together. Right. Um, uh, I don't even know if homeos, I feel like homeostasis is like everything working symbiosis. together in, in a equilibrium. Yeah. And I think what we're going for is abundant regeneration. That's getting deeper soils, richer soils, plants that are pulling up minerals from the deep soil and depositing them on the top. And so we have a regenerative cycle that's getting better, stronger, more nutrient dense every year. Um, Instead of, you know, this is sustainable is like, well, it's the same as it was last year. Mm -hmm. You know, we want it to be regenerative where it's getting better and better each year. And we're setting up that, you know, seventh generation in the future for this, like, man, our great grandparents, those those folks were great. They were real. They really flipped the script on on that monocrop monoculture right. genocide thing that we were going at. You know, right. trying to kill everything except the one thing that we wanted. Right. Right. And and I think it really gets into this a completely different relationship with the natural world. And I think what I see, especially clients, older clients who maybe are in the sixties, seventies, when we start to do this with their land they'll get really emotional. Mm-hmm. It's like they're getting hit with this natural energy, whatever sure. it is, whether it's plant communication or what, but it's this upwelling of emotion in them of they've shifted their mindset of, I need to kill all the things that I don't want to I'm shifting kind of from my head into my heart of how can I be of service and work with all the living forms that I can see or not see and be part of the system. And in that shift, when we become part of the system, it's like, I don't know, it's like your heart breaks open. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the whole script that we're working with completely shifts to like, oh, wait, I'm not I'm not doing this by myself. Like all these other living life forms are also wanting to help me as I'm wanting to help them. And now we're part of the system again. Yeah. And it's a be- wow. like a big family you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and everyone's rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, they do that's well. Awesome. You do. You do well. Absolutely, yeah. you all, everything that, thrives. That, it regenerates. Nature of you know the relationship between it. In this next photo, this looks just to me like a uh, 
clay dirt field. It's you like know? Yeah, so this is the, uh, this was the beginning. Ball. This was just exactly so. Like the spiral, you know. Though. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, so so we started with the spiral and just said, you know, if we're gonna do anything, let's first release the energy in the land that's okay. stagnant, unused. So let's douse for a center point. And so this is just granite, just decomposed granite, put it in a Fibonacci spiral. Okay. Um, and then in the center, that is a geometric shape called a chestahedron that I'd just been interested in sure. for a long time. Chestahedron is the shape of the inside of the left ventricle of the human heart. Okay. And so it's the shape that allows for wow. this constant siphoning and vortexing. And basically as blood enters the left ventricle, it's being siphoned in and basically in a tornado of blood. And if you flip that thing upside down, that's how it's sat in your heart at 36 degrees. And so as that vortex comes into your heart, it dimples and flips and compresses that vortices and then gets launched out of your aorta. And so this shape, I just really needed to like experience and be inside of it to understand it more. And so we built it. I think that thing was like 14 feet tall. That's cool. And the cool thing about that is it really gets into, you know, where that shape exists. If you go back to the platonic solids Mm -hmm. is those kites that you see that are like elongated diamonds are basically a a pentagon. If you fold two of those, um, points of a pentagon and then take those three sides and fold them together like this. It's the collapsing and compressing of a pentagon. And then it's the opening up of a tetrahedron. Mm. So you have four triangles, triangle on bottom, equilateral triangle, three triangles on the sides. And so the tetrahedron is opening up and the pentagon is spiraling down and right where both of them are exactly in their midpoint, that shape is found exactly in the left ventricle of the human heart. Isn't that fascinating? Wow, dude. Well, in the left ventricle is the workhorse. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, I mean, so I've been interested in dodecahedrons and also the Merkaba. If you're, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very close to the sacred geometry symbol or uh, the geometric design of of the Merkaba. If you Google Merkaba, I mean, that's essentially what he's talking about here. And when we went to Serpent Mountain Star Knowledge a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. this guy, Daryl Nichols, was talking about that exact same thing. Right. Where it's literally creating this, again, up and down, as above, so below, this toroidal. Right energy system sure a pulsation too. your body has this merkaba too so maybe that, it's like this artificial the, heart in that in that um form right maybe that it's what it's doing it's this energy yep. heart of energy it's and so pumping you, and pulling the energy they're just scaling that up so you're kind of into the earth you're kind of you know frankenstein in a great way of like natural energy like yeah. it's alive like you know pumping it full it's great and then this next the one, thing that we found was super interested with that is when three people were in each of the corners doing agnihotra the entire structure echoed and resonated even without wow. walls you know Whoa. it only has edges and yet it could echo and resonate and That's vibrate cool. wow 
So, uh, anyway, so okay, okay. Into this curiosity of yeah. okay, there's a correlation. Geometry is sound you can see with mm-hmm. your eyes, mm-hmm. and you know vibration is is geometry that you hear with your ears. Sure, hundred percent. I mean, and you know all of it's connected and operating cooperatively, right? At the same time, right? Uh, this is everything we were talking about with Amel uh-huh. and VJ. And Michael Lee Hill with cymatics and yeah, yeah. This has been a theme on our show, and even strange the, happenings the episodes. Yeah, these kind of things have been popping up. Yeah, you know, I think we're we're kind of tapping into something here, and it's it's just ha- yeah. But the thing with, is, we're not really like we want to find all these correlatory stories or you know that relate. It's just just being drawn hey, into. Whole, our yeah, we just talked atmosphere. about that one. Cool, like. Put it in there. Like, that. yeah, I wouldn't talk about that. I was just talking about it yesterday. It happens every week now. Yeah, this conversation is just building off of those conversations. Snowballing. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then totally I, agree. I think the next image we have is the after image, which, sorry if I, I brought that up a little too early. Um, but no, no, that's all good. If I'm wrong. Yeah, so, you know, so this was just a, a limestone shelf covered in cactus. And so we just took the various different biodynamic sprays, which are different materials fermented in different ways. You can just purchase them from biodynamic source or Josephine Porter Institute and just spraying, you know, vortexing for an hour and then just spraying these micro amounts of material onto the earth and into the sky at different times a day. And we turned this just, dead cactus patch into i mean that thing produced so much food it was outrageous look at that that's That's awesome and so you know this was a a half acre garden that just my wife and i managed and it fed half of our community and this was like our covid project you know and everything locked down we were already in the process of building this garden so we just built it as big as possible because we didn't know exactly the direction and severity that everything was going to go. So we just yeah. said, all right, well, let's just see. Let's just put all this stuff to work and see how much food we can produce. Incredible. And the beautiful thing was, you know, two slightly motivated people just putting things in the right place in the right order can produce a massive amount of food for the community. It's This right. is not, you know, every time... Every time I've talked to someone, like uh, someone who's in their 80s, if you ask them about their grandparents' garden, everyone's grandparents' garden that, like, just their grandparents managed was like an acre. Right. Which is a massive amount of land for two people to manage, but Mm -hmm. they just produced all their own food. Oh, yeah. And that's just how things were. And, and we slowly just gave them away to outsourcing to a business so we didn't have to do it. And we Grocery traded store. all that and said, you know what? I need that time so I can sit at a computer now instead of, you know, like we yeah. really yeah. we really traded away these gifts, you know, and knowledge that today, uh, man, you know, a lot of us would struggle yeah, uh, myself included. I mean, I I don't know how to forage or hunt, or uh, you know, I might be able to fish. Or <laughs> I know how to grow stuff. I'm not great that at it. That is one thing that I can. I can grow things, but I mean, I don't know how to grow things from seeds. I don't know how to germinate. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can go buy a plant and put it in the ground, but to grow something up from yeah. the, the my old neighbor start. taught me a lot about growing from seed. Learned yeah. a lot and herbs, but mm-hmm. but, but I think to your point. 
it's like this is why we're built to live in communities you know mm-hmm. y'all are being this incredible storyteller function of the culture and there's someone else out there like myself who just wants to tinker with earth and air and grow right food. right you're absolutely right Wow. I would agree 100% to that. And that I hope that does, you know, from being on here that somebody goes, you know what? I am going to try that out. I'm going to start looking into that. I'm curious. I wanted to compost. I wanted to start easy with something small and just, Mm -hmm. again, you don't get all of those skills in one day. It takes time Mm -hmm. to build up that tool chest. Yeah. But just like Mm -hmm. anything else, you know, you don't do a diet for a day. You know, it's, it's a, different change in your life. So you're going to have to adapt to that. And do you want to do that? So, um, but you know, having you as that reference point too, of letting people know that it is possible and attainable gives that site, you know, uh, a little bit closer perspective in the viewpoint of going, Oh, maybe it won't take me as long. And I know if I put in the time and effort, I can do this too. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, all this just started from reading books and throwing stuff at the soil and, yeah. you know, <laughs> try this some basalt dust and compost and yeah. seeds and something's going to pop out of there. Absolutely. And whatever pops out, grab those seeds and continue to grow that thing yep. yeah. and don't continue to grow the thing that you're just struggling to grow. It just doesn't want to grow there. Right. Right. And right. Kind of, after that awareness piece of just notice what's growing and grow more of that and right. don't worry about all the other stuff that dies. Exactly. Exactly. Focus on what's that's what my process was with over the years of growing things was, well, I really enjoyed growing this because it prospered in or, you know, things that I didn't have luck with. I'm just I'm not going to waste my time every year trying to grow that yeah. thing that's going to peter out and not produce anything. But that's also, applicable you know, that's why I like growing too. cherry tomatoes. Yeah. You get a lot of mm-hmm. cherry tomatoes with two plants for one little family. Yeah. You're going to be mm-hmm. cherry tomatoes yeah. for months. It's like the uh, Mr. Rogers mashup video that uh, Melody Sheep, uh, Sheep did for PBS where he's like, you can grow ideas in the garden of your I've mind. It's anything, you know, mind. we got to, we got to feed those interests and those ideas and those plants and we have to feed them mm-hmm. the right things and at the right times and in the right spaces. So, you know, uh, it, it's it it has so many layers to the application, not only to the biology itself, but to your psychology and how you carry yourself. And, and it just echoes throughout those, I think. And it's like, you know, if I want to change how I look at things, if I want to change what I'm doing in life, that starts here in this garden. And I have to plant that idea and that thought and I have to look and put effort into it. And then I want to grow this physical garden. I want to do it in this sense. That's going to take time, effort, you know, mm-hmm. and it's that just yeah. that concept of it's, you know, we live in the society where it's like, I pushed a button on my phone or on my computer and I want it to happen. It's like, man, we've kind of really shortened that delaying of gratification to a point where we don't understand the effort. Mm-hmm. I think too, due to most of how we were schooled, we're afraid of failing. A hundred percent. I think, one of my absolute yep. favorite mentors is Buckminster Fuller, who was like, oh, anything I've ever yeah. learned yep. was because he failed more than anyone else. <laughs> and, you know, how do we rapid prototype and fail faster, you know, and fail forward? Mm-hmm. So plan to fail, plan to learn what we failed from, share those failures with everyone so everyone doesn't have to fail it's the same thing. And just, you know, one of, one of my 
friends, I love them so much because anytime that we'll invent something or build something, as soon as it's done, you know, I'm over here celebrating like, ah, we built a rower that pumps water instead of just moves air. And now, you know, we can exercise on a rower, but also move water through a flow form That's just awesome. as a secondary byproduct. <laughs> That's awesome. And as, as soon as he's done with it, before even like celebrating, like, ah, look at us, <laughs> he just gets on it and he's like, okay, both of us get on this and we just row it until we break something. I don't know what's going to break, but I know something's going to break because this isn't the final product. Oh. And so we just rode that thing until something broke. And then we're like, okay, mod two, so, we fix that piece. Sure. And then we try to break the next piece until, you know, now we have a pretty functional. Is he an engineer design. by trade? He not by trade, just a self-educated. Okay. But he knows, Hey, we need to actually now start testing these to thresholds of, you know, Hey, it works once, twice, 10 rows in a row, but we're going to be doing this hopefully for years. So let's really put it through the ringer and see what the capacity levels are and where it starts. Like he says, breaking down. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I think that mindset, that, that was always the, uh, you know, remote medicine mindset is fail forward. Don't just get paralyzed with all the things we can't do. We Mm -hmm. don't have sure. Just pick the next thing that can be done and do that. Do something. Even if it's not perfect, just do that. And we can always come back and make it better later. Right. Um, And then you're always, you know, coming back and fixing and repairing when you have time. But I think that's where we can really do a lot of good as individuals out there. Instead of this, like, Oh, I got to do it right the first time. No, just, no, you're gonna you know, fail. like viciously <laughs> fail rapidly yeah. and share right. those failures. Yep. It's so funny. Just continue to do it. That's the motto of this show, by the way, yeah. is God, we've failed. Uh, but think about in my whole life. I've been, if you look at it overall, I'm like a, a dramatic right failure. Yeah. I, that's how I feel daily. <laughs> and that's why I, mean, I don't turn off. The, the, when people say, but you do all this, I'm like, I don't see it how you see it. Until you really stop me and give me a moment to pause like that. But the next second we walk away from each other, I'm going to get back to thinking I'm doing nothing and I need to get at it. Yeah. Like it, I, I like failing. It's I feel like your buddy learned so much has to break the device where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we did this. What are we going to do next? What, and yep. what's next? And that's the show. Like there's no satisfaction. <laughs> um, yeah. Is that, uh, is that, you know, the classic like Iron Man archetype of like, we're on, you know, we're on mod 17, we're on mod yeah. 54, yeah. Right. It's never done. We're just yeah. getting better and learning for the next mod, which is never done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really funny too, what you said is, you know, you see somebody that's in my mind now, somebody that's like top of the game successful. The most successful people are also some of the biggest failures, right? We don't see it that way, though, and it's kind of that iceberg of, like, we just see the tip of the iceberg, but we don't see their failures. You just see when they break Mm -hmm. above the surface. But there could be a mountain, you know, ten times bigger of... But because when people fail, people, they like to pile up on... People don't want to fail because they don't want their peers, their community to pile up. That's kind of our culture, is, you know, somebody fails, like the media, for example, they love to build people up and take them down. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And that's well, kind that's... of our culture of, of second chances, whether it's Tiger mm-hmm. Woods or Michael Jordan or, you know, these people that we look up to. But, man, we'd right. love to just take them down. So mm-hmm. people get 
So it's it's yeah, worried I about. Don't, I don't personally care as long as what you're other a good people person, think. You could be whoever as long as you're not a, a jerk. You yeah. might be able to hit the golf ball the best on the planet. That's good for you. It still doesn't give you any power over me in any way. Good for you. You're great. Like I'm not trying to deny right. this talent level, but that's wonderful. Like you're great at that. Like everybody can be great at something, and anybody that is great at something will only be great at it for a small time. Yep. You know, you're only going to be on the top of whatever you're on the top of for a brief period of time in the in the game of things. So the real struggle lies in with being okay with not being at that, but, you know, always climbing that mountain. You may never get to that pinnacle, but what is it's your pinnacle? Your yeah. What's your mm-hmm. pinnacle too? change your game for yourself, right? Yeah. What are well, your yeah. wins you want? And there's that, you know, proverb of if you want to go fast, go alone. And get good at that one thing. But if you yeah. want to go far, go together. There you you're go. going to be going slower. You're going to be, you know, someone cool. of a different physical ability, someone with a different mental ability. But together as that whole community, then you can really sustain that excellence and everyone mm-hmm. gets richer. You know, you got. Right. I mean, for forever, I've been slowly working towards this idea of how do we pull in all walks of life just like an ecosystem does and build in, you know, into something like a, a nursing home, a preschool also, because there's so many studies on nursing homes that have had preschools kind of integrated into them. The older people become younger because now they're, you know, they're right. Um, they're yeah, active. Right. Their minds are active. They're excited. They're around this like silly kid energy. Those kids are now around actual elders, which yeah. our culture is so divided, mm-hmm. you know, from ageism. We don't even, I don't even know where to find elders. Honestly, there's a lot mm-hmm. of older people than me, but like true wise elders right. are, are hard to find. Um, and then, taking your like fit warrior group, you know, and that's where this kind of rower water pusher concept came from was if you take those, you know, those veterans, those military, those crossfitters, those super fit people that are just picking up heavy things and putting them down again and actually do something with that energy in and around young people and old people, the whole system is inspired and Mm -hmm. it just happens to secondarily be producing food from this water that's cycling through a structure yeah. and people just happen to be healing because someone is doing Agni Hotra each morning and mm-hmm. evening. Well, and then no one has to go to a church. Yeah. There's just life occurring. It's kind of that manifestation though. And the whole, like, if you build it, they will come. If you're doing it, they'll see it. If you give somebody that image and, and you know, it sometimes you can't even explain it, but somebody might walk up and go, well, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm using a row machine. Oh, I do a rowing yeah. machine. Yeah, mine, pu- mine, yeah. mine's pumping my water. Yeah, I'm, mine I'm makes paying, me fish tacos. What I pay seventy five dollars <laughs> a month to go to a gym and have a trainer. Yeah, I just sit out here and watch the river and I just row pump my water, and that creates <laughs> toroidal fields for my garden. I'm canceling my gym membership. But speaking yeah, of that, that's a, what you need to make is a is a organic green gym membership. There you go. That's your thing. You could make an outdoor on. gym. Well, I think he's got breaking the rower enough times until we can get there. (laughs) Make an outdoor garden, organic gym. And that, if you build it, then you just happen to cycle Agni Hotra water and people just happen to feel different in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to know that there's a pyramid and a stone circle outside. They just 
walk in to do some exercise and get a free taco. Just put a right. giant hey, pyramid dude, over you don't like have to acre. tell them what's going on. You don't have to explain it Come to, to the Agni Hotra gym. Get, get, enter the pyramid. Get connected in I am telling without you right them now, even knowing I'm it. Signing Slip up. it in right underneath their nose. Feels good, right? It's, it's I, mean, I love thing to the think idea. About. It's so cool. So this photo here, yeah. let's get back to I want to buzz through these images. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, yeah, so, another so pyramid that, that you built. That's that Russian pyramid or the okay. Nubian yeah. pyramid with flow forms in the back. And then, you know, that's more of that half acre garden that we put in just in a limestone right. shelf okay, uh, in an old cactus patch. And then just anything that we plant, we put in the pyramid for 24 hours mm. before we plant it. Seeds, trees, anything grows better after being in a pyramid. Right. Yeah. I used to take my seeds and make crystal grids and put them in the middle. I put and all I would grow rocks so much. Stuff. Yeah. A hundred. I put crystals all through my, from all in the tricks. house. Yeah. Uh, quartz and then this is a same property <laughs> look at that same dude. property just you know that's just our small little wife and my little garden that was just a, looks, a bare cactus patch looks pretty robust <laughs> looks pretty robust. It, it was we got wow. tons of food out of it so then this is an area you know this is like a cesspool below mm-hmm. a, a horse um um horse barn we call that a lagoon in ohio we call that a lagoon a manure lagoon yeah so this was their problem they just had this lagoon that nothing would swim in the ducks wouldn't land on it the dogs wouldn't swim in it and so we put a set of those flow forms on a raft and just rafted it into the center and just turned it on and let it cycle through and flow forms those specific flow forms you can go to the next couple images basically it's just a basin that's modeled after the aortic valve of the human heart. They just took a cross section and as, as blood moves through the body, it moves like it does in a river. There's some white water where it get, gets oxygenated. There's some, some valves that cause the, the blood to bump back and forth mm. and basically become a, a laminar braided flow. And then there are vortexes where it compresses and condenses. So it's taking oxygen from our lungs and condensing it into smaller and smaller and smaller um, bubbles. So it stays in solution. So you can go to the next picture. Okay. So this is that lagoon starting to break up. And this is that lagoon a month and a half later. Yep. A month and a half? month and a half later. Just Gross. You know, just cycling the water, oxygenating it, basically putting a heart and lungs back into that pond and it heals itself. You know, as, as Elaine Binyas, who created biomimicry, said, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Paul Hawken, you heal a system by connecting more of itself to itself. And so by just oxygenating and structuring that water and dropping it back in to allow it to interact with itself more. Mm-hmm. Now there's this beautiful clear pond with a 20 foot deep clear water column wow. that you can see underwater mm-hmm. and follow right. turtles and fish. That's incredible, Adam. I love it. It really is. Just, you know, three basins floating on a PVC square. Yeah. Super <laughs> simple. But just taking the lessons of nature and applying it to to sick, unhealthy systems. That's yeah, so cool. I was watching an interview with a regenerative farmer, and he was sitting by after a really big rain. He had his property line with his neighbor and him, and both of their properties were their fields were flowing into the same creek, 
and on the left side was his neighbor, and it was just this dirty, mucky mm-hmm. river system. Next was his, the water flowing into the creek there. You could see a direct line, clear as can be. Mm. And then the dirty water's mixing in the creek with his clean water, and you could actually see a direct line of that creek right. and where the... Uh, because all that topsoil is running right in, he's mm-hmm. retaining all the minerals right. on his mm-hmm. side of the property. Yeah, and so it's it's it, it's just like that. It's just beautifully clear water. Heck yeah! Well, I think Postpartum. that's where you know this whole regenerative farm movement needs more kind of analyst engineers, yeah. lawyers to basically calculate the ecosystem services that a regenerative farm is doing, you know, what is yeah. the value of the clean purified water that's pouring off of a regenerative farm, as opposed to a monocrop monoculture farm that's dumping roundup glyphosate mm-hmm. and oh, soil yeah. into a, a riverbed, you know, right, the right. ecosystem services of a regenerative system are just off the charts. And that's the beautiful thing about nature. It's constantly cleaning itself. Wow. That's right. And if you provide the the connections and the system and and do a little bit of stewarding to the land like you guys are doing, you can create mm-hmm. that closed feedback loop again. Right. Uh, this yeah. next photo is it looks like you're just you're doing Agni Hotra on the land here. This is there's your yeah. pit. So then that's, you know, just stacking that now that the water's clear, you know, integrating whoever is working on that property, have them start doing Agni Hotra. Now you know, above and beyond doing even things like foliar sprays plant on plants. Now you can impact the entire atmosphere of an yeah. entire piece of land. You know, there, the, you know, now an entire 20 acres or hundred acres, um, there, there's something called a resonant point where, um, you kind of take Agni Hutcher one step further and you have a, a set point in the center, but there's a pyramid buried underground and there's a pyramid a meter above ground that are basically um, just resonating points. So you do a yagna, a mantra to, to tune all the pyramids to the same frequency. So when one resonates, all of them resonate. That's and so cool. you have the central point and then you put four pillars filled with soil on the Northeast Southwest points of mm-hmm. the land which basically you just created a massive low frequency radio antenna. And whenever you're doing Agni Hotra in the center of that massive antenna, it's resonating all of those pyramids. And um, there, there's a, a paper um, that I can find for it that basically in, I think it was Peru, they were having a massive banana blight where everyone's bananas were just getting crushed. Everything was dying. And the country of Peru just said like, Hey, anyone who has anything that you think can help, you know, come in, we're just dying here. All of our crops are getting crushed. And so they built their resonant point. They started doing Agni Hocha every day. And there was a perfect 200 acre circle that everything was perfectly clean, healthy, productive. And outside of that circle, everything was being crushed by the, the virus and the rust and the blight. Wow. Isn't that something? Mm. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> this stuff blows my mind. I get chills hearing Adam talk about this stuff. Cause these are all things that like, I've just had feelings about 
and have have tried to like put it in a sense that I can sink my teeth into and wrap my head around. Sure. But this all makes sense of why they would create temples and these temple complexes the way they did. And they're arranging the the geometry and and it's aligned with the stars and and people are singing and chanting. Um, I mean, it's the community hospital, basically, Mm -hmm. in a way, too. Yeah, bring your sick and your old and, and heal them in that environment. Mm hmm. This is incredible. Yeah. This um, overhead shot, and this actually, is... the, I, yeah. So that's that's the the land that we um, put those initial berms and swales and gotcha. ponds. And so for the same thing, you know, when when we first started, it was whenever it would rain, there would just be you know dark mud flash flooding off of the property a right. foot deep, um, and so we just held all the water. Um, that falls on the property now. And the beautiful thing about these water retention landscapes is the property below our property had invested almost $200,000 into building a 12 acre lake that Holy was cow. was never filling. But as soon as we built these smaller water structures up river, up the watershed from it, now all that water is slowly percolating into the watershed mm-hmm. and there lake stays full. And so each of these watersheds being built as high on the landscape as possible, recharge all the aquifer all the way down to the river, which goes all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico for us. Makes sense. And so, you know, this is on 40 acres and it's impacting the entire watershed. That's so cool. That's really cool. I mean, think about all the dams we build, you know, Army Corps of Engineers. How many we have in Ohio? Most of our drinking water comes from these huge dams. What kind of impact mm-hmm. is the stopping up of that natural flow? You know, they're, they're not thinking about it the way at It's just like, oh, damn it up. Let's get some of that fresh water. I don't know. But is that recent, water dead? Uh, I mean, th- there's... recent chemical spills and the methanol, whatever the recent one. There's another one yeah. in the water right now. There's Y'all another one in the water now. Yeah, Ohio is taking Ohio a River hit, right now. Yeah. Poisoning the water. Like, yeah. we need to do that Oof. just so we can have an alternative. Right. Oof. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. We're messing and, up so and, much. Um, And with those, you know, that, that's the biggest pond catchment there is like a half acre. So mm-hmm. these are pretty small catchments and yeah. they're not lined. Yeah. So they really cool. They don't stay full year round. They, they leach and sink into the lower aquifers. Right. Um, that's, we try not to line anything because then you're just losing it all to evaporation and you're not benefiting the, the local aquifer and water table. It's a good mm-hmm. point. Maybe it's, you know, a certain point you do recharge enough that, you know, you're not losing as much to regenerating that aquifer every year and you kind of fill that battery up and it doesn't need to, you know, kind of reduce every now and then as much. It kind of and gives that's what me we've the, seen is, yeah. gives me the Hobbit, the Shire kind of feel with the, right? the berms and the edges and, you know, not it's with the rolling of, hills, but, you know, that kind it's of. It's got an ancient mystical vibe. Like, you ever seen those mm-hmm. um, visionary artists, uh, like, crystallize? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of those uh, amazing visionary artists where they create these, it's like the uh, ancient future. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where uh, they have, yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, Android Jones, some of those guys. Where yeah, yeah. They, very cool. They stuff. have the the pyramids and the beautiful like. That's what this kind of really reminds me of. Like, what if we start tapping into this? Because I've always wanted to build an earthwork, 
uh, my, my own geometric earthwork on a property that was aligned to geometry and the stars and an equinox. And, you know, it could be, you know, you don't have to drive to Serpent Mound and connect with that. Um, but, you know, and also like incorporating that into, into the land. Right. Um, and what if everybody started doing this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, go over to, uh, is it in Japan or in China where the, a lot of Tai Chi people wake up in the morning, everybody's doing mm-hmm. the same kind mm-hmm. of like east, west, yeah. north, sound, al- uh, south alignment and motion. Like it's very, very big. It's, you know, yeah. a practice that a lot of people do. So there's a lot of, a. a tuning in with that. So they do practice a lot of that in their housing and the yeah. structures and mm-hmm. how they align. Everything's them. right angles. We have walls, we have four corners. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know if that's good. Every, all of our buildings are the just flow. straight up. No, you know what I mean? There's something yeah. with that. The flow. I mean, if you look at, if you look at a battery, I mean, a, a right angle, right corner is the quickest way to kill capacitance in a battery because mm-hmm. you have these electrons moving and spinning and eddying mm-hmm. and vortexing and they hit that right angle corner and it just, it's kind of like with racquetball. If you've ever hit that racquetball right oh, in the yeah. corner, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just dies. And yep. then the, you know, the per- person you're, or handball, the person behind you, there's no chance they're going to get that That's thing. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But so, in all of our right angled structures, we just have kind of that living chi life force moving right. through our house is just dying in all of our corners. Right. Yeah. As opposed to pyramid shapes, it's constantly amplifying. Circles and domes, it's constantly flowing and amplifying. That's interesting. It's really interesting. Right. Even thinking of acoustics and how you were tying back earlier to the vibrations and the geometry of the sound. Dodecahedrons and pentagons. Mm -hmm. You go to an amphitheater, you go to an opera house, you go to any theater, it's, you know, it's built to amplify that sound. Even the the Greek amphitheaters back in the, you know, they know how to do that, right? Like to really amplify that even in... Ash Cave in um, Hocking Hills, you know, using kind of an inverted amphitheater by using the top of the roof cave, you know, you could whisper across, you know, hundreds of feet and Mm. you don't need a cell phone back then. You just whisper in the wall of the cave and it's It's a whispering wall, yeah. you know, and kicks over to somebody that's like, what'd they say? Uh, yeah. It's wild. I, I didn't never thought about it that way until just now. It's like, you know, your tin, uh, tin can with the line, but, you know, yeah, yeah you, just need amplified. A, you just need a yeah, you just need a waveform, mm-hmm. and then that, you know, that vibration will travel that down that waveform. Yep. Yeah. And I think for the same reason, it's why you know pyramids with just edges and not entire solid walls work. Right. It's because yeah. you know that energy moving from Earth to sky or sky to Earth hits that waveform and it travels along it, condensing, compressing, and having that whole pyramid effect, even if you only have the edges. Right. Right. After this, uh, I want to send you our interview we did with uh, Lovia, um, Mel Michael, the artist. She's a singer, sound therapist. Um, She's currently living in Costa Rica in an ayahuasca retreat center doing holding space and uh, doing Mm. sound therapy, sound healing. Um, But she did a demonstration with singing bowls, harmonizing her voice with the bowls and playing flute. And it literally, mm. like, it knocked something loose in me. She was virtually like you are coming into the show. Right. She wasn't in studio. And it was just wow. it, through the headphones. But I would love for you. We made a clip of just the sound session. So I'll have to send mm-hmm. you a link of that. I just want to – all of this stuff connects in. 
and I want you to kind of see some of the things that we've been tapping into. This has been absolutely amazing. I do want to buzz through this these videos real quick. Go for it. Uh, we have a couple left, um, and Stoner can cue. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Adam, with this uh, toroidal water flow system. Yeah, so that's, that's a flow form. We get these from flowform.com or flowform.net out of Austria or New Zealand. And basically, they just model different natural geometries. So this particular one is modeled after the aortic valve of the human heart or the sinus of Valsalva, which Leonardo da Vinci did a bunch of experiments on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it auctionates better than any shape. So I was really looking for That's what's so cool. the tightest shape that I could fit in the back, like north wall of a barn. Ferment fertilizers in those 55-gallon buckets from local biomass and rock minerals, throw some cow rumen, which is just the contents from a cow's stomach after slaughtering, Mm. into the bucket, let it ferment. When it's done fermenting, toss it in this, oxygenate it, and then put it out on the land because fertilizers are just prohibitively expensive and you'll go bankrupt trying to purchase sacks of salt fertilizers and it kills all your life forms while giving you, you know, a couple pieces of NPK. But the the really wild things, Damn, I won't go too deep on this, crazy. Of, of bags of NPK fertilizer, is a bag might say like four, six, ten. So that's like 6% of that 50-pound bag is phosphorus. And the rest, the question is, what is the rest of the stuff in that mm. bag? And most of it is chemical byproduct from the petroleum industry mm-hmm. where they can't get rid of this any other way what? but it does yeah. have a little bit of npk in it so if you have the farmer put it out on their field get out then dude, you get yes. rid of the toxic byproduct so we're eating and garbage. they get a little exactly dude, we're eating garbage. the yeah. rockefeller foundation had a lot to do with this some of the early funding was oh, the how do we get rid of all of these byproducts from their oil industry yeah, the pharmaceutical companies were part of that as well. You know, it, a lot of the the medicine was is hydrocarbon based. Uh, food production became hydrocarbon based. So, like he's saying, the 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 fertilizer itself is mostly just the stuff they don't know what to do with after sure. they are refining for gasoline and diesel. I mean, am I wrong? Oh, not at all. But you know, and it's yeah. it's often coming from those same high heat, high pressure processes, and it's not conducive with life, which is usually right. low heat, low enzymatic processes, low acidic, you know, and low pressure, mm-hmm. you know, and life forms are doing all this at room temperature underground. Um, and so that's where, you know, when we work with clients, it's usually like, let's, let's open up your books and look at how much you're spending on fertilizer first yeah. and mm-hmm. cut that out. And then just make our own on-farm biofertilizers with rock minerals and local biomass from whatever, corn husks, old potatoes, whatever you have that's rotting, throw it in a bucket with rock minerals and ferment it. And there's a great book called Jatams, which is all the Korean national farming. And, And basically it's just recipes, you know, just like you could kick open Joy of Cooking on how to make pasta you just kick this open of how do I make sulfur? How do mm-hmm. I make potassium? How do I make a magnesium fertilizer and ferment fish heads over here? 
you know, ferment various different things to get what you need. And I think that's really where the farmer who feels like they, you know, they're in debt, they're scared, they're bullied. Um, Mm -hmm. They're in a really tight spot that's really intense and stressful. Um, They have a lot of power in finding, you know, reach out to symbiosis. We'll show you how to build a biofertilizer for, you know, depending on what your soil test requires and get you back into that regenerative cycle by making yourself free or very cheap biofertilizers. And that is such a cool, like now we're not just fermenting sauerkraut in the closet. Now we're fermenting, you know, 275 gallon totes of our own fertilizers in the back of the barn. That's cool. And completely taking back our nutrient sovereignty. There you go. It's amazing. I mean, uh, farmers rely on, uh, you know, in the seventies, they totally changed how farmers, farms had to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the government subsidies became like, we totally just changed how we did farming in this country. Right. And so these farmers are stuck because they're relying on subsidies with these monocrop operations, right, Adam? So it's tough to get out of that, that world. And once you become this organic regenerative farmer, guess what? You're not really subsidized or backed by the government anymore. So it's Mm -hmm. hard to get away. Right. When I think this is where that kind of next generation, that millennial or that next, you know, high tech generation can come in and say, Hey, grandpa, grandma, you know, let me play around on this quarter acre. Let me try stuff that's going to sound wild. And, you know, if you're a devout Christian, it might even sound downright sinful. Right. Um, right. (laughs) Burning fires and chanting the invisible forces. (laughs) But let's, let's just get radical and try something different. Yeah. And, and, you know, just encourage that creativity in your kids. Like, you know, any great parent does. They want to bang pots together, bang pots together. You right. want to mix weird smelling stuff in the garage, mix the weird smelling stuff and yep. see what happens. And be okay with that rapid failure. You know, yeah. in my whole soil journey, I killed my parents' entire garden. Yeah. And then just, you know, but through that, you know, putting too much rock phosphate in, I realized, oh, mm-hmm. you got to balance. You can't just, th- you know, I was participating in the moron rule of if a little's good, just put more on and it right. must be better. Right. So yeah. We got to give like our next generation, the opportunity to fail mm-hmm. and learn yeah. and continue to move forward. Hey, if, at least if you weren't allowed that. Yeah. At least you weren't pouring Gatorade all over them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Got to get that Brondo. It's what place great. You know who I'd love to introduce yes. Adam to? Yes. Yes. I'd love to add, introduce Adam to Willie. Oh my God! Our, our good good friend. friend of ours that we grew up with that is he's Willy Wonka of farmland and machinery and anything. He can build Ooh. anything. He can make anything. He can install anything. He the ins- rowing machine. Oh, I'm not saying he could flat out build it the first time. He could build it. There's, but I don't all the earthwork stuff that they're doing. If Brian could, ju- if he could just talk to Adam, yeah. he could pick it up. Do you remember what no he told time. you? The and one have, time? like you said, a little quarter acre just made me think of. His parents' property. Yeah. He's already built an orchard. Yeah, just on a weekend on a whim. Oh, just like, uh, put, an put an orchard in. Yeah, no big deal. It's like nobody just puts yeah. in an orchard, dude. I bought an apple at a store from an orchard in another state, Brian, but I didn't build an orchard yeah. on a property. You know. <laughs> but I would love to hook you guys. Maybe you could uh, talk to him about some of these ideas. He'll definitely. I'm going to tell him to watch. He'd this probably episode. be interested in trying some of them out, actually. 
And he could I'm sure do it. He could. Yeah. Yeah. You guys would be really interesting pair together. He would be interested to f- find out about this. Yeah. Uh, the water management, especially on oh, his, yeah. his mom and dad's farm. He's the Willy Wonka. Some of that there. stuff. Um, do we have one more video? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's, there's, this is a video. Uh, I think I might have accidentally. No, it's you can go ahead yeah, and yeah. move on. It's moving. I'm not bit. even sure what's in. You can go. You can go it's ahead. Slow motion. I thought that was a photo. Oh. Oh, there's another. And then structure back to the testahedron, and it just walks around it. That's cool. Look at that. It's a very interesting shape. And then you're doing Agni Hotra underneath that thing. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that has been studied is, you know, this if you're doing Agni Hotra on, let's say, a coffee table or a structure or a structure like that or anything, and you're doing it daily, yeah. you can take that, that dirty water that has fecal coliform in it and put it next to that pedestal, that object, that building that you're doing it in every day. And just the resonance from that, having Agnihotra done in proximity with will mm. still have that water purifying cleaning effect oh, cool. that doing the actual fire. So, you know, you're really imprinting frequencies in spaces, mm-hmm. which I mean, again, what's what I feel like the ancients were doing. Yes. Completely terraforming and atmospheric forming with these, right. you know, great structures at massive and that, scales. That's exactly why this blew me away when I first heard him talk about this stuff. It's just that it really just resonated to my core. Like so many light bulbs just went off. It's like this makes so much more sense. They're not tombs. They're not, you know, these things that we've been told of what these structures are. Um, I mean, this There's is something more to them. This has absolutely blown my mind, Adam. We we've gone on. I think we're about the two and a half hour mark right oh, now. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> this sure. has been. Aw- it's went by like that. I mean, it's we such a great conversation. A zone. Yeah, I'm like, um, I don't turn it off. Adam, do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh, symbiosis, uh, the regenerative uh, work that you're doing with symbiosis, and and uh, tell sure, us yeah, the, this, everyone where they can find you or they want to reach yeah, out. This definitely is not. This is definitely not the first conversation we typically have with clients. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, you know, Symbiosis is a regenerative design firm, so we can help with folks who are just needing information, resources, plant varieties. We want to help educate and guide and mentor. And if people want a full master plan design, drone, LIDAR topography, Hmm. you know, where everything is going to go, we can build structures, small homes, um, large scale earthworks, ponds, sperm swales, key line rips, pasture regeneration, cover crop, reseeding, figure out and help figure out grazing systems. Um, Because really those roving uh, ruminants you know, the cattle, the sheep, the, the goats, all mobilized, moving in a holistic manner, giving lots of rest to areas is really the long-term strategy for deep healing of the land is integrating those, those grazers into the system. Um, but we're at, uh, symbiosis tx.com. Uh, we're just about to release a new website with a bunch of new kind of marketing material on it. Cool. Um, you know, 
if people just have questions, if they hear this and they just want to know more, happy to just send you Google Docs and copious amounts of information. We'll fill up your your box or you can <laughs> pay us to consult on whatever you're working on. Um, and then typically we'll try to connect you with a local team that has more, um, you know, context appropriate species knowledge because i'm not going to know what to plant in ohio Um, but as far as central texas and texas goes we have some pretty excellent solutions for regenerating and healing land working with water and detoxifying landscapes that may have been um, poisoned for multiple years of conventional agriculture and just bringing life and vitality um, back into a system so that's that's kind of us and my email is just adam at symbiosistx.com. That's awesome. Amazing. And That's guys, awesome. you can find all those links in the description in the show notes. Yep. Uh, we've linked everything. So if you want to reach out to Adam, please do. Um, I, I know, you know, we have a lot of listeners in Texas. So if you guys have been wondering, God, I got this cool piece of land and I would love to bring it back to life and I just don't know how, where to start. Hit these guys up, man. This is yeah. amazing information. Uh, you've literally blown my mind. Uh, within the first like 15, 20 minutes, I was on edge. Uh, so, Adam, I want to thank you again. Uh, Absolutely. You guys can, like I said, hit, hit the show links. And uh, we're going to actually come back and do a proper goodbye, Adam. Uh, so stay with us here. Um, if there's any last words, uh, give you the floor one last time. Um, but we're going to wrap up this show. Cool. Yeah, last words. I would say, you know, in the great words of Buckminster Fuller, that the perceivable, seeable, hearable, tasteable, sensible environment that we see is 0.1 of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. One one millionth of the electromagnetic spectrum. We are seeing, seeing, tasting, feeling. And when we can know and believe that there is so much outside of our eyes and our ears can perceive and we can work with that invisible world and know that it is there because it's why we can talk on zoom and talk on a cell phone (laughs) and we can apply the same principles that operate our cell phones to operating our plants which are antennas sending and receiving signals right Uh, then we are stepping into a whole nother level of co-creation with mother earth and all the invisible and unseen forces that want to work with us. And I truly believe that your local environment is rooting for you as hard as you've rooted for anything else to just try and start some of this. Yeah. So I wish everyone good luck on failing forward as fast as you can. <laughs> oh, man, I got to say, we go. I'm going to be keeping an eye on your uh, Symbiosis Texas. I'm really interested. So This I, is wild stuff, dude. I, I, I'm telling you. I wish you nothing but the best in it and hope to see it grow. And, yeah, we'll definitely have to try to get you yep. uh, connected with uh, Willie and yep. see just what what if he could tinker around with some of your, your uh, methods and practices. And, uh, yeah kind of put those connections together i'd be really interested but yeah all the best to you man this was a lot of fun this has been amazing adam please stay there we're going to give you a proper goodbye Absolutely. we're going to outro the show uh again we always always appreciate everyone watching live with us all you guys in the Got chat stellar this fans. has been yeah this has been incredible the the creators uh that come and support burton from local legends absolutely uh, necro mechanimal make sure you check out his uh post show uh artwork 
that he's been doing for um, our show. Um, These incredible edits. If you guys aren't following him, make sure you do. Um, It's hilarious stuff. Unbelievably, incredibly (laughs) funny. And just blows our mind with what he comes up with. And no pressure. If if you're not making one tonight, I just put you on the spot. But um, (laughs) go blow up his Instagram, (laughs) at Necromechanimal. Um, I you know, like I said, spot. thanks to, you know, Flutz, we got uh, Stookies in the chat. Anybody that's out there listening, we watching, we really, really yeah. appreciate you. You can Absolutely. find us at The Strange Road on all po- platforms, um, all over the podcast platforms. We're everywhere. Yeah. Please uh, rate us if you if you like the show. Yeah. Five, five stars or bust. And then also like, share subscribe and hit that notification bell in YouTube. We appreciate the heck out of all you guys. Yep. Um, once again, as always, thank you to Stoner and Disbro and Master Control. The best. You guys rock. This was a killer show, and we're going to be signing off. Bub, feeling good about this one? I'm good. All right, guys. Take, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Take us out, fellas. Later. <laughs>